Well, rather snow nor cold or government shutdown. Here we are. <laughs> we made it. And uh, and I like this this scripture that that. Um, that we read already this morning, that John read. It says, and, and I'd like to start by rereading, I'm going to try to really focus this direction, really like to start by rereading this week's scripture to remember. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, where we find Jesus teaching how God the Father is revealed to us through Christ the Son. Now, John read this quote uh, from Jesus earlier from the New International Version, and I'll be reading it this time from the Contemporary English Version for the purpose of illustrating a little bit of a contrast. So Matthew eleven twenty through 30 reads this way. If you are tired from carrying heavy loads, come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and lean, learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest. This yoke is easy to bear and this burden is light. So you'll notice that two words are prominently used in both translations. And the words are burden and yoke. The New International Version uses burden in this way. It says, all who are weary and burdened. And then it goes on saying, my, meaning Jesus's. Jesus's burden is light. The contemporary English version that I just read uses this phrase. If you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, and then it says this burden, again referring to Jesus's burden, is light. <coughs> See, a burden is a, a heavy load. We often use it to refer to an unpleasant one or a cumbersome responsibility. And mother-in-laws and house guests may use it with a touch of entitlement in a sentence like this. Sure, I'll take your last brownie if you don't mind getting up in the middle of the movie you're watching. Can you put some ice cream on it for me? And then can you wash the pan and, and, and the dish? But I don't want to be a burden. That was purely hypothetical, right? Yes. But I digress. When Jesus talks to us about our burdens, what do you think he's referring to? He invites those who are weary and burdened to come to him. What is it that we bring with us? What are these burdens? I think of things like my worries, my fears, maybe some guilt that I'm having trouble putting down, perhaps some anger or frustration that I'm having trouble letting go of. And of course, any sin we carry can certainly be a burden to us. So why does he invite us to come with these things? He's holy. He's faultless and pure. Why would he want to associate with such things, such negative and awful things? He doesn't. You see, it's not just about making an all-inclusive list by saying, if, you're, if you have a worry or fear, right? Check, check. Or, or, or any guilt or anger or if you have any frustration. I don't, check, 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 right? Well, then you are invited and if that doesn't qualify you, there's always that sin thing that we all have in common. And that's wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. My failure qualifies me to come to Jesus? I kind of say that a little tongue-in-cheek. But the answer is yes. It really is. They absolutely do. And more important, remember, they do not exclude me from the invitation. Or they don't prohibit me or you from coming to Jesus. That's not why he worded his invitation that way. It's not about an all-inclusive checklist that qualifies us, even though we are qualified and we are all invited to come to him. Rather, it's more about what he says next on this passage, this offer to exchange that he's willing to make with us. If we unyoke ourselves from our burdens and then we yoke ourselves to him, 
So what's a yoke anyway? You flip the slide up. Most people know, but for, for visual purposes. And that's a horrible looking contraption. It is. Uh, it's not intended for human use. A, a yoke is a long piece of wood tied across the neck of two animals, such as oxen, oxen, in order to make them walk closely together when they're pulling a plow or other piece of equipment. It also allows them to work in unison, you know, essentially sharing the load. In the context of Jesus' words here in Matthew, he's offering to exchange the yoke that we wear that has us tied to a heavy load, that is making us weary and tired, this load of whatever <coughs> burdens we carry. His invitation is to come to him and accept his offer to exchange this yoke and burden for a yoke that we share with him so that we may share the load and to walk closely together with him in a common direction. And we know that direction Jesus is heading is towards heaven. And this new yoke is connected to the load that he carries. Flip it. So I want to be clear. Christianity does come with its own burden. It honestly does. We have commandments to follow. We are called to have faith and we are called to share it. We are instructed to love and to forgive everyone, including ourselves. And this divine burden can be a tough task and a responsibility in its own right. But Jesus tells us that this kind of burden is easier and lighter than that which we have set down. Now, I'd certainly agree that it is more comfortable and more pleasant to love someone that may otherwise seem to be unlovable than it is to worry about things that I have no earthly business worrying about. Living a Christian life is much more enjoyable than trying to anticipate or control things that we were never meant to control. And the end result of caring or being yoked to the good types of things, that leads, they lead to blessings. And they lead to the blessing that we receive when we do what is right and when we act with Jesus' character. Trying to behave Christ-like certainly makes this connected walk with him a lot easier. Can you imagine how counterproductive and frustrating it would be if two work animals were yoked together and one was trying to move to the left and the other to the right? The stronger one will win, but it's an exercise in futility and what a waste of energy. So guess what? Jesus knows the way, and he's stronger, so why work against him? Do you need a better example? Has anyone here ever gone canoeing with their spouse or a good friend? Uh-huh, uh-huh. One of you is in the front, and the other is in the back, and you find yourself bickering about how the other one is apparently not working with you. They're not cooperating, right? Uh-huh. I learned that lesson pretty early on in my marriage. There are a few things that we should not do together if we want to preserve peace in the household. Never, ever wallpaper together. And don't canoe together. <laughs> I'm right, aren't I? <laughs> Thank goodness people don't wallpaper like they used to. <laughs> so when you heard the two translations of this week's scripture to remember, did you notice there was a subtle difference in the use of the word yoke, as they were described? The New International Version, the New International Version uses this phrase, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This supports the notion of two that are yoked with each other being on a close walk together. When a person is participating in some intense, specific on-the-job training, you may hear the process described as job shadowing. That's how close you need to be to truly learn the intricacies of important lessons. Jesus says, take his yoke upon you and learn from him. Now, the contemporary English version, the second one I read, uses this phrase, take the yoke I give you 
this yoke is easy to bear. This warning supports the notion of an exchange of our current yoke and burden for the one he is offering. And Jesus is the, the magic exchanger, right? This is just one example. Bring this to me and I'll give you this. He exchanged himself, his own life, his own pure life for ours, for our sins. And in a couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a message that I'm going to call, If This, Then That. And there's a whole series of promises that Jesus makes. The Bible says, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then I will do this. And it's really a neat, a neat commentary in Jesus' fulfilling of these promises if we choose to do the things that he's called us to do. And you see, Jesus came and lived among us, experienced the life we live, along with all the struggles and trials and temptations that we face. Hebrews 2, 14 through 17 reminds us, since the children, and this is us, we are children of God, since we have flesh and blood, he too shared in our humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. And he frees those who all of their lives were held in who all of their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Anybody here not afraid of death? For surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, and again, this is us, for this reason. He had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus lived a life like ours, in a different era, but still he was subject to injuries and emotions and temptations and joys and, and, and the like. I imagine young Jesus running down the road, maybe falling and skinning his knee and shedding a tear or two. And his life served many purposes, but none the least of which is the example he lived. How he viewed and how he responded to every situation serves as a model of how we should view and respond to the circumstances in our present lives. Does anyone here, anyone else here, let out a shout when they hit their thumb with the hammer? <laughs> Would you like to share with the congregation what you did next or said next? No, oh, okay. <laughs> It's a story for fuzzies. <laughs> Wives, let me give you some reassurance. Your husband is normal. <laughs> Psychologists say that a woman, that women get mad at a situation, which guys don't understand. Um, and they don't understand why, we don't understand why you cry when you get mad. That's, anyway. Psychologists say that women get mad at a situation and people, but guys tend to take out their frustration on inanimate objects. Does that sound about right? which explains why the hammer that was just judged guilty of smashing the finger went immediately flying after the accident. And it may have even led to the very next project, which was likely a little drywall repair. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> no? <laughs> Liar. <laughs> as perfect as he is, I imagine our Savior, who was a carpenter, may have clobbered himself with a few hand tools over the years. How do you think Jesus responded when this happened to him? Now, if you're like me and you find yourself falling short of Jesus' example, take heart. Just as we learned from last week's story about the accused woman, where Jesus wrote something on the ground, something we referred to as a very personal message. He then told her to get up and go home, telling her, don't sin again. Jesus gives us a very personal message, directly to and specifically for you, and it's written on your heart. This message can only be received and revealed when we come to him, as he's an us. When we set aside our burdens and walk closely with him, just as he has invited us to do. You can only carry so much. You were not created or ever intended to carry the burdens of fear, 
or guilt or hurt or anger. And when you unnecessarily hang on to these, there's no room and no energy to carry the light load that you were meant to. So let's take one more look at today's scripture, remember, but from the message paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that's an invitation worth accepting. Let's pray. Father God, you are amazing. We thank you for the gift of your son who came here not to condemn, but to show us through the example of his life how we are to live and serve and worship you. God, we thank you for this invitation, this invitation to all of us, not just us here in this church, not just us uh, in the community or even just Christians, to everyone that was created by you, which is all people. We thank you for this invitation. Jesus came for us. Now he's asking us to come to him. God, help us to search our heart for whatever that may look like. Whatever prayer we need to say, whatever change in our thoughts or behaviors we need to start working on to come to him, to lean on him, to find that peace so we can set down the heavy burden we were never meant to carry and pick up the light one, the burdens of Christianity, which include things like being compassionate and following commandments that are designed for our good, our safety, our security, these loving limits that aren't here to spoil our fun, but are here to keep us safe and facing you. God, help us to put on this yoke with our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may walk and work closely with him, that he may share in our load, we may share in his light load. God, as always, I thank you for this church, this congregation. I thank you for those who could make it here this morning despite the weather. And I even thank you for the empty spots in the pews today because it just says there's room for invitation. There's room to invite. God, just as you say, come to you, help us to turn to others and say, come with me. We have a story to tell, a place that we can gather, and a God we'd love you to meet. Amen.